Gosh, it's, it's been it's been a long time. Uh, gosh, 25, 30 years ago, my mom got real sick, and uh, you know she's getting ready to celebrate her 88th birthday in a couple of weeks. Uh, but back then, uh, we were all pretty convinced that uh, you know this was uh, you know maybe she wouldn't have a lot more uh, birthdays, and she had breast cancer and it was pretty advanced. And, so, uh, and she was struggling with it, as you know, we all were, but you know, she especially so. And, you know, she just, uh, she was praying and, Lord, take this and help me. And uh, then all of a sudden there's a, like, this, like this change in her. Um, there's just a lot of peace, even though she was still sick and still struggling with the illness. We weren't even, you know, not even sure where, which way it was going to go, and lots of chemo and radiation and all that stuff. And so I, you know, I asked her, I said, Mom, like, you're just seem different this week. What's up? And she goes, you know, uh, I just, you know, I was praying, and I just felt like the Lord was uh, trying to tell me that he was taking care of me. And that I didn't need to worry. She was. I was asking, like, for healing, and, and I was, and I was even angry that I wasn't being healed, and and I was really upset with God about that. But then all of a sudden, I realized, you know, I've been asking for this, and here He was this whole time, like taking care of me. That, you know, I'm I'm upset because He's not doing this, but meanwhile, He's over here and He's. He's throwing me a life preserver, uh, and then I'm not listening. So he's throwing me uh, like, uh, you know, just trying to get me out, or you know, you, you know, I'm listening. He's like throws, he sends a helicopter and puts a ladder down, and I finally realize that's for me. And you know, and all that time, I, it's just like I didn't want the ladder, I didn't want the rope, or I didn't want the life preserver. I just wanted this to be gone. And she goes, it occurred to me, that's not how God works. That's pretty smart, uh, I think. And she got better. God bless her. I mean, that's, she's going to be 88. And every day is a blessing. But let's say she hadn't been healed. Yeah. Would, would that consolation that she received that God was going to take care of her, would that have been not true? Would that have been a lie? No. God takes care of us. Even when we think he doesn't. He's got a plan. And it's for you and me. It doesn't always work out the way we want. And sometimes it's, it's going to mean we're, it's going to be really hard. But that plan is for you and me. And it's a plan that is the fullest expression of his love for you and me. Let's look at it like Paul today. A little short reading. And, you know, he's talking about, uh, gosh, we, how, how rich is his, is his wisdom and understanding? How, how unscrutable, unsearchable is his ways? Isn't that the thing? See, we, we want to figure God out. We want to figure the plan out. 
We want to know what's going to happen. And we expect God to do what we want. That's not God. If, that, if God was like that, what would he be? He'd be like a vending machine. A little pest dispenser. He'd pull his head back and candy pops out, you know? For those of you who remember that kind of thing. But that's not God. And, 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 and I was saying, God, heal me. And with the full expectation, you better do it or I'm going to be upset with you. That's a natural response, but that's not how God operates. If, if we could understand God's plan, if we could figure out what it was God was doing with the crazy stuff that goes on in our life, guess what? He wouldn't be God. God is completely, as Paul says, unscrutable. Now, he'll let us in occasionally on some of the details, just enough to get us going and moving and, and keep our head in the game. But what he's got planned for us, we can't even begin to imagine it. Look at this. Uh, we can you know, take a look at uh, this weird reading uh, from Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is like this bolt of lightning that's uh, pointed at Israel in a difficult time. Israel was about to get swallowed up by the Assyrians. It was bad. They were bad. They were rough people. Totally disobedient idol worshippers they had become. And so God sends Isaiah to prophesy. Well, the way that the government worked then was the king, and he was bad. Uh, but then he is a steward, like the prime minister or something like that. His name was Shebna. Shebna was horrible. Total uh, self-aggrandizer. He just took care of himself and his friends and was totally corrupt. You know, governments act that way sometimes. And the, the idea that, you know, Shebna has got the keys. It says that. I mean, it, Isaiah talks about the keys. I'm going to take them away from you and give them to somebody else who deserves them. The keys were the authority. Shebna was the second in the kingdom. So he had these keys that were symbolic and literal. Symbolic in the sense that he held the power uh, on the king's behalf and exercise it on behalf of the king. Uh, but the keys were actually literally the keys to the throne room. So if he opened the, th- the door to the throne room, it was open. If he closed it, it was closed. And that meant he, he granted access. If you wanted to see the king, you had to go through Shebna. You had to go through the steward. So Isaiah is sent by God to fire Shebna. You, you don't deserve your job. And so you're out. And all your friends with you your little cabinet that you put together. And so he sends uh, Eliakim to take his place. And Eliakim's a good guy. God sends them a good shepherd when they need it at most. But do you think because they had a good shepherd and Eliakim is a good guy, that it means they're not going to go through bad stuff? No. They needed Eliakim there as a good steward uh, to guide a bad king during the what would be the most difficult moment they had ever experienced, which was when the Assyrians came down and destroyed their whole country and all their tribes. See, it isn't that God's going to like send us help to get us out of certain predicaments or keep us from having to go through bad stuff or answer our prayers the way we want them to be answered. No. God's going to send us what we need in the moment, maybe sometimes to completely save us healed like my mom's cancer. But she suffered a lot, right? But maybe 
Well, she hadn't died. What was God sending us and my family then? Yeah? We've all been through death, the worst thing. We prayed that somebody would not die, but maybe they do. Was God not taking care of us? He was, absolutely. And his care for us is what got us through those moments and allows us to be here today with hope. So, Eliakim is there not to keep the Assyrians at bay, but to guide the Israelites as they are about to go through the worst moment in their history. And to give them hope that somehow this is going to be okay. God is still going to be there for them. And he was and is. All right. Thinking that, this whole idea of the steward and the keys, and then we got this perfect reading today. Jesus takes his, his, his cabinet, uh, his friends, to Caesarea Philippi. It's about 70 miles uh, north of Jerusalem. And, and he asks them, who do you guys say that I am? What's with you guys? Where are you with me? Let's talk. We're out here in this nice little place by the waters of Jericho or the waters of the Jordan. Let's talk. Nice day. Who do you think I am? And Peter, in a moment of spiritual inspiration, says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. No, oh, there it is. He's God. And wouldn't you know it, that even though they knew it, they never figured it out until Jesus actually died and rose from the dead. And just because they knew it was God didn't mean that they weren't all going to die themselves. Just because they knew that he was God didn't mean that they were all going to end up suffering in some way. It's just that he was teaching them, this is what God does. He stays with you. He cares for you. He loves you. And he's got a plan for you. And, and, and the most beautiful thing about this reading today is the promise that the Lord gives to that effect. As soon as Peter says it, he says, you, this is, you didn't figure this out on your own. This is God telling you, I got a plan, and I'm going to let you in on a little bit of it. It's like my mom, just praying, and all of a sudden she realizes, wait, there's a ladder here. I had no idea. I wonder where it goes. I have no idea, but I'm going to grab onto it. Because somehow he has got it into my heart that I can trust him, and that he loves me, and he's got a plan for me, and that even if I don't get better, he's going to work everything to the good. And says, all right, so Peter, you're the rock. You're, you're the one I'm going to give the keys to. Remember Shepna? He got fired. The Pharisees hold the keys now. And we know what, what bad dudes they are. So I'm firing the Pharisees, just like Isaiah fired Shebna. And I'm going to give the keys to you, Peter. And you're going to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you say is open is open, shut is shut, is bound is bound, is loosed is loosed. So in that moment, when Jesus is going to the cross and everything is going to go dark, he is giving them the keys. He's giving them an insight that there's a plan that he's going to work out through this new kingdom where Peter, the Pope, is the steward. And he's got the keys and he's going to open, he's going to shut he's going to have his cabinet, his apostles, the bishops, and they're going to guide us. Are they going to do it perfectly? We all well know that sometimes that doesn't happen. 
but by the inspiration and the movement of the Holy Spirit, God communicates his love to us even during uncertain times and even during things when we don't understand what is being done or said. Peter, Pope, Francis. Do I understand Francis all the time? No. But what am I? Just a mere human being. And if God is using Francis to get us through strange and crazy times, praise God, we have that protection and that person that is inspired by the decision of the bishops when they chose him. So he's got a plan. And he's using us to fulfill it. And he's given us a church. And he's given us the sacraments. And he's given us everything we have in this church to help us get through the changing circumstances and events of our daily lives and of history. And we're part of this plan and we're part of this history. And even if things go dark and things go wrong and we don't understand and we suffer and we're angry, you're in the boat. There's the ladder. There's the rope. Grab onto it and hold onto it with your dear life and don't ever let it go. It's our sure salvation. That's what we're about. We should pray like my mom. Because yeah, we, don't, we don't know how to pray, do we sometimes? Give her a list and don't get what we want. Or it's like, oh, I guess God's got other things he wants to do and he's not listening to me. No, that's not that's true. Father Baron, Father Bishop Baron, said this. Because he said, I know prayer is hard, but we're not Jews, we're not monotheists. We're not Muslims. We're not uh, Muslims or, you know, Allah who, who, who abhors the idea of a Trinitarian God. Muslims do. We have, a, we have a Trinitarian family that we pray to. And, and I think this is so helpful, so listen to this. Whatever it is you're praying for right now, it's preceded by the question that Jesus asked them. Who do you think I am? Jesus, I think you're the son of the living God and that you love me and you have a plan for me. And so I'm going to pray that I am faithful to that plan and that you give me what I need to follow that plan. I pray that you fill me up with your love. Baron said this, he said, you pray. Praying to God, the Father. Father that loves you and is faithful to his promises, like the promise Jesus made. Your church is going to be here until the second coming. Count on it. Praying to a father we can trust. Father. But, because it's a family that we're praying to, there's Jesus sitting right next to us with his arm around us, pulling us into his heart. Let him do that right now. Just let Jesus pull you right in. And Jesus is right there listening to you as our brother, as the one the Father has sent to save us from our sins and to teach us how to pray. When you pray, say, Our Father, Abba, Daddy, listen. And Jesus, who's holding on to us and loving us, is interceding for us and taking what we're saying and thinking and feeling, and he's giving it to the Father with us. And that movement of the Son and the Father 
where he's holding and interceding and the Father is receiving is carried out by the love that the two share, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sweeps our very existence up into that communication and that love. And it changes us and it gives us peace and confidence and hope that no matter what happens, everything is going to be okay. And God works everything, everything to the good. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand and pray. I believe in one God.